Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to give a content warning. Today's episode discusses the themes of suicide and mental health, and mentions specifically the death of someone that's connected to our community who took their life previous to the recording of this episode. I've taken this mental health series very seriously and want to share the gospel in a way that's palatable, but also speaks in relevant ways to our community today. If you or someone you love is experiencing an extreme case of depression or anxiety or thinking about taking their own life, we ask that you please seek professional mental health. Links to the national hotline and resources are available in the description of this episode. Hope has a name. It's where we've been journeying uh, through for the past few months. We've been tackling mental health, what the gospel has to say about mental health. And a few weeks ago, it's praying about how do we finish this up? And I, and I had the idea of we need to finish on community because that's what we're in. And the thought came across my mind, we would be remiss today if we didn't address suicide. One of the most devastating outcomes of difficult mental health that we could ever face. That was a few weeks ago. Fast forward to this week, Monday evening, got a text message that one of our former students from Southwestern Adventist University, who's not a student, was a student at La Sierra University in California, had taken his own life. Some of you may know or remember Jalen Mareko Tamalea his own life on Monday evening. And I thought, God, you were running ahead on this. That maybe, just maybe for this moment in our community, there's a word about mental health that we need. Because we see the devastation that suicide and death brings to our community. A few statistics on suicide from the CDC. There's been an increase of 30% between 2000 and 2018 of suicide deaths in this country. It's only a slight decline in 2019 and 2020. And in 2020, we saw 46,000 suicide deaths. That is 46,000 too many. That's one death every 11 minutes. And in 2020, an estimated 12.2 million American adults seriously thought about suicide, 3.2 million planned a suicide attempt, and 1.2 million attempted suicide. These statistics are staggering. And maybe there's been someone in your life that took their own life and you are reeling from that moment. This morning, I'd like to explore with you a piece of scripture found in Mark chapter two. We read it in Luke a moment ago. We're gonna be in Mark chapter two to establish our story today. It's not about a suicide, but I think that there are some gospel truths that we can point to from an experience Jesus had with someone who is in complete despair and complete immobility. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. 
Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, verse 3, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, then lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. It's early on in in Jesus' ministry. The Holy Spirit is present in this moment. There's a man who's paralyzed and cannot move. Likely this has caused serious mental health degradation in his mind. That he's no longer able to conceive about what future life looks like. What's the point of even living? And yeah, if I could get in front of Jesus, but I can't move. Can't do anything to get before him. He's completely dependent on the people around him. And I think in some ways we can draw parallels from his physical ailment to our own mental struggles. Have you ever felt as if you are paralyzed in your mind? Particular thoughts or ideations come over and there's no way that you can seem to to move about them. They are stuck and you feel like you are stuck. His friends took it upon themselves to do something about it. Seeing their faith. Jesus is looking at this guy who's just been helicoptered in from the ceiling. He's kind of squinting up into the dust and there's, there's light coming in and he's coming down and now he's at his feet. And he turns from the man who's paralyzed and he looks at his friends and he sees how much, how much determination that they have. That only, if only, if we can get this guy in front of Jesus, all will be okay. And seeing their faith, turns to the man on the floor he says my child your sins are forgiven I'd offer to you this morning in our final message under the title hope has a name I would offer to you this morning that we need each other there's no way that this guy gets in front of Jesus other than Jesus walking to where he is or his friends bringing him there This man needed a community around him that would support him. We need each other. A story is told of Hannah Mills, who was placed in the York Asylum in England. This is old York, not the new York. It was March, 1790. Anybody there? Never mind. She was placed in this asylum for what we would today call severe depression. And there were some family and friends that implored the people that were around that community, would you please go and visit her because she had lost her husband. And that had spiraled her into an incredible depression that she was not able to come out of. And they went to this asylum and they said, please, can we visit with Hannah? Can we be there for her? And the asylum said, no, 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 no. She needs to be isolated. She needs to figure this out on her own. Less than a month later, April 1790, Hannah would die. When she needed the community most, the community was not accessible to her. And it's written that William Tuke was influenced by this experience with Hannah and would go on to develop humane alternative care for those struggling with mental health. 
that was a fork in the road for how our society deals with mental health. We need each other. Jesus has recognized the faith of the community. And then he turns his attention back to the man who's on the floor and look what he calls him. He says, my son, my son. He uses that that term of endearment. There's significance in those words. The father is speaking to the child, to the son and to the daughter. Shows a close, tender, intimate relationship that Jesus had with this gentleman. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 puts it this way. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And not only does He call us His children, that is what we are. Unequivocally, we are the sons and the daughters of God. We are all children of God. The man that was laying in front of Jesus was his son. You and I are the sons and the daughters of God. Jalen was and is a son of God. Jesus has the most tender compassion and care for his children. He loves you beyond your wildest imaginations. He calls this man in his grief, in his depression, in his anxiety, in his mental anguish. He says, my son. And he offers forgiveness to this man without a hint of repentance. He doesn't look at him and say, my son, you know that you got yourself into this. Let me take you through the 28 fundamental beliefs before we can offer some forgiveness to you. No, 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 no. The forgiveness of this man was dependent on the community. The community knew that Jesus could take care of the man. And the man, whether he was repented or not, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Because the community cares for you so much. It was his friends that had brought him there. And Jesus freely extends forgiveness to this man unprompted. And there's a question. Every time we hear about someone taking their own life, there's a question that rattles in our mind. Is suicide a sin? No. Is suicide sin? Yes. It is a symptom of the greater problem of this world. It's the darkness overwhelming and consuming. It's what we wrestle with on an everyday basis, and it's gotten so dark that there seems like the only way out is to make it all stop. You see, too often we argue about symptoms, and we often forget the greater disease that affects us all. Scientific American put it this way in an article in 2009. We're really dealing, talking about suicide, with some sort of biological imbalance. It's not an attitude problem. It's not, hey, just stop thinking about that. No, no, no. When we're at the point of seriously contemplating suicide, there is something that has gone wrong in our minds. It's not our fault. Sometimes our body works against us. So what about someone who commits suicide? What hope is there for that? What if they aren't repentant? What can we do? How do we have hope in the midst of this incredibly difficult circumstance? Jesus hanging on the cross, Luke 23 and 24. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. 
to the point that someone is willing to take their life. They don't understand what they're doing. The darkness has overwhelmed so much. And Jesus, hanging on the cross, yes, he's looking at the Romans. Yes, he's looking at the Jews for the immediate context. But Ellen White cues us in, Desire of Ages, pages 745, some of the most beautiful words she has ever written. That prayer of Christ, hanging on the cross for his enemies, embraced the world. It took in every sinner that had lived or should live. From the beginning of the world to the end of time, to all. Forgiveness is freely offered. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't get it. The disease is too strong. They don't get it. Would you forgive them, Father, please? And the Father is willing to forgive. The story continues. Mark chapter 2, verse 6. Some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, anytime they think to themselves, we're, we're in for a bad, a bad time. What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. See, that's the problem. As soon as we think something in here, Jesus knows. He asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Verse 9, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat? And walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said these words, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. Imagine that was a little awkward for them, right? He had come in through the ceiling, and now he's walking out through the door. That's not how this story is supposed to end. Yeah, his sins are forgiven, but like, no, ceiling, door. And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been lowered through the ceiling in front of the feet of Jesus this morning, and you just happen to be here. I would encourage you today that Jesus calls us not to jump back up through the ceiling, but to walk out through the door, and he's willing to walk with you. You see, there's, there's an issue with the Pharisees. They're scoffing at him because they're like, they're majoring in the minors. Like, what's the problem with Jesus forgiving this guy's sins? They're questioning his motives. He's brought to full healing and restoration. See, here's the thing. We need to stop pretending that we're perfect. We need to stop pretending that we've got it all together and to call on God and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't know what you're doing in that situation. I know what's best. Got to quit pretending like we've got everything together. If we're a little bit more honest and authentic with ourselves and with each other, we can come into closer community. It's easy for us to look at someone else and point out their flaws without taking a genuine look at ourselves, right? Jesus points that out. He says, you're worried about the speck in your brother's eye. You've got this giant timber beam in your own eye. Why don't we work on that one first? Especially when it comes to mental health can point fingers, say, oh, if they wouldn't have done this, ah, uh, if they hung, wouldn't, hadn't hung out with that crowd. We set up barriers of separation that God can't forgive that person. God can't work a miracle in their life. They are too far gone. I would offer to you this morning that is completely the farthest thing from the truth. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? 
Verse 37, no. Despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Not even death not even death by suicide can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It was Jesus that hung on the cross and died for our sins, and we walk around pretending like we did that sometimes. Maybe we need to have the ceiling to the floor, to the door experience in our own lives. See, we can be so busy putting up barriers to healing and care because we are hung up on the cure. Yeah, yeah, we just need to like fix your mental health problem and like everything will be okay. Yeah, yeah, we just need to, to fix this about you or to fix that about you. We've got the cure because we've got Jesus. But we walk around pretending that we're the ones that can prescribe it. No, 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 no. Jesus is given the mission to care for the people around us. We're called to offer care, not the cure. And our care should always point people back to Jesus, who is the cure. Henry Nouwen puts it this way. In a community like ours, he's talking about Christianity, we have put all the emphasis on cure. We want to be professionals. We want to heal the sick. We want to help the poor. We want to teach the uh, ignorant and organize the scattered. But the temptation is that we use our expertise to keep a safe distance from that which really matters. And forget that in the long run, cure without care is more harmful than helpful. Let us therefore first ask ourselves what care really means and then see how care can become the basis of our community. Question for you. What would the world look like if we cared a little bit more? What if our emphasis was not on here's the prescription for the cure, but here's how I can step in and help? I knew Jalen as a student here. I didn't know what he was struggling with at La Sierra. I know that he had a community around him. And sometimes the forces of evil win, but that's only the battle, that is not the war. There is nothing that separates Jalen or anyone else that has committed suicide from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. And we as a community are called to care for each other around us. So maybe today you gotta think in your life, who's laying in a bed somewhere that you need to drop through the ceiling in front of Jesus' feet? Who do you need to drag before Jesus so that when they enter the building through the ceiling, they're walking out through the door because they're raised to walk in new life? What would our community look like if we nurtured and we cared for each other? We've got no power to forgive sins or to heal the people around us, but Jesus does. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And if we can hold on to the hand of Jesus, he's holding on just as tightly to us, and he says, I will see you through, because nothing's gonna separate the two of us. Stand with us as we sing, Hope has a name.